Welcome to Leviticus study number 11. We're going to be in Leviticus 7 verses 1 through 21. And uh, before our hillbilly holler, I just wanted to let Cammy say hi. Say hi. Hi everybody. She got a, just got a haircut. She's nice and clean. And I'm going to let her go. But we have folks ask every once in a while. And there you see my wife handing me my coffee. Thank you dear. And uh, we try to keep things informal uh, around here. But uh, anyway, this is number 11. We're going to be in Leviticus chapter 7, verses 1 through 21. Lord willing, and the church don't rise. And uh, we do want to give out a hillbilly holler, though. This one goes up into New York. And Sister Deborah Vaccaro. Sister Deb, here's your hillbilly holler. And uh, Sister Deb, we ha also haven't seen you with a picture of you wearing your t-shirt, uh, by the way. So with that, let's get into our Bible study. And we always open with a word of prayer and ask for the Lord's help. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for all you've taught us, all you continue to teach us. And we're going to learn and learn and learn forever and ever. We'll never be omniscient as you are. We'll always be learning. Help us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit as we learn the book of Leviticus. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so chapter 7 continues the instructions to the priests concerning, uh, in this chapter, two offerings, the uh, trespass offering and the peace offering. We were introduced to those uh, previously. Read about them in chapter 5. And remember that uh, these offerings were for individual sins. They weren't national offerings, but they were personal, pertained to personal sin. So that let's jump right in. Verses 1 and 2 says, Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. Uh, Leviticus 7, 2. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, shall they kill the trespass offering, and the blood thereof shall he sprinkle round about upon the altar. So we have this constant reminder of how terrible sin is. Um, the wages of sin is death. An animal had to die. Uh, how, imagine how many animals had to die to provide this temporary covering for sin until finally God Himself in the person of Jesus Christ would die for our sins. Uh, scorners will point this out as basically an insult toward God. Um, you know, look at all those animals killed. What a horrible, barbaric religion, that sort of thing. But remember, as we are going to see again in a few verses, that in practical terms, this is no different than the local steakhouse. <laughs> uh, the meat was eaten, not just killed and thrown to the fire. Um, we also, though, don't want to forget, as they would kill these animals, the blood that was shed. Uh, billions of pints of blood over the centuries. Uh, but it could never accomplish what one drop of the blood of Jesus could do. And what the blood of Jesus has done for all who will believe. Ephesians 1.7 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Uh, the blood of Jesus 
is propitiatory. It, it provides the full payment for all sin. The blood of Jesus was and is enough to pay for the sins of the whole world. Yet, the appropriation of that blood belongs only to those who will receive it by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, also remember that with each sacrifice, uh, the sinner was to be reminded of how sinful he was and how badly he needed a sacrifice. We not only would see the wages of sin and death and the shedding of blood, but it would reflect back on the sinner, and it should us as we read this, uh, that we are wicked sinners. We deserved, in, in the presence of a holy God, and you can compare yourself with yourselves. You can compare yourself with other human beings. People do that all the time. Oh, I'm not a bad guy. I mean, I haven't murdered anybody. I'm not a rapist. You know, and based on that, they set the bar that low. The problem is that's not where the bar is. The bar is holy, perfect God. That's the bar. Holy, sinless, perfect God. And none of us can meet that bar. And so, with the very first sin, we deserve to be cast into hell. And that's what these sacrifices remind us of. And the fact is, no one can be saved until they face that truth. The old saying is that you can't be saved until you're lost. It means you have to understand how lost you are and how badly you need to be saved before you ever want to be saved. And we deserve the fire that we see these sacrifices being offered in. We deserve that fire. But we don't receive that fire because of one man, Jesus. Uh, because of what He has done on our behalf. And that's the only reason a believer in Jesus Christ will not go to hell. And that's why all who reject Him will go to hell. Because that's the only difference. The only difference between me and any other person who's uh, lost and going to hell the difference isn't me, the difference is Jesus. So with that, we continue verses 3 and 4. It says, And he shall offer of it all the fat thereof, the rump and the fat that covereth the inwards, and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks and the call that is above the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away. Now, some of you fellas <clears throat> and ladies as well, you've uh, shot, and well, some of you may not have shot it, but you've dressed uh, game that's been shot. So you know exactly what this is all about. Uh, if you don't know how to dress the game that's shot or killed, it could be a bow or however it is killed, um, then you could ruin the whole thing. And that's why these priests were to be this careful. They weren't to cause any uncleanness. They weren't to cut something and cause fluids or excrement or any other uncleanness to get on the rest of the meat. And they were to handle those parts carefully. And that's why. It's to keep that picture as we continue. Verse 5 says, And the priest shall burn them upon the altar for an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a trespass offering. Uh, so again, we don't do this today. But we can see the message of this offering more clearly today thanks to the revelation given to us in the New Testament. That which is in the old concealed is in the new revealed. There's plenty of things in the Old Testament that 
during the Old Testament period they didn't even understand. Uh, the prophets prophesied of things they didn't understand. It's uh, just a fact that these priests made these offerings and they knew God had his reasons, so they followed the rules meticulously, but they didn't understand the whole picture, the big picture. And there are guys who are preaching claim that they did, but there's no evidence. The Bible never says such a thing. Come all the way into the New Testament. Even his closest disciples and followers of Jesus Christ had no idea. And when he died and was crucified, they thought the world was over. And then when he was resurrected, they didn't believe it. They didn't understand. So with that, uh, we go to verse 6 and 7. Every male among the priests shall eat thereof. It shall be eaten in the holy place. It is most holy. As the sin offering is, so is the trespass offering. There is one law for them. The priest that maketh atonement therewith shall have it. Let's go ahead and read verse 8 too. Uh, And the priest that offereth any man's burnt offering, even the priest shall have to himself the skin of the burnt offering which he hath offered. Uh, And that's an important thing to remember uh, when the Bible ignoramus points out these sacrifices with that accusatory scorn for God for killing so many animals. Again, this would have ended up, uh, the end result every day would have been the best cookout you could ever imagine. And we've talked about God himself said it's a sweet savor he would smell. Um, And notice, interestingly, in verse 8, that the skin was kept uh, by the priest. I took a quote from J. Vernon McGee's commentary on this. Uh, He said, quote, This speaks of being covered or clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God is satisfied with the Lord Jesus, and he sees us as being in Christ. Whenever Jesus looks at you or me, he doesn't see you or me if we're saved. You see, when, when the Lord looks on a sinner, he sees the sin. And that's why there's no fellowship. That's why there can be no salvation unless or until you put on Christ. And when you believe the gospel and you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit in you. But legally, your legal status, you are putting on Christ, His righteousness, a righteousness you and I could never attain to, a purity, sinlessness, holiness we could never attain to on our own. But we put on Christ when we believe and receive the gospel. And then from that point on, God sees you. He sees His Son. And that's why we are called sons of God. By adoption, we are adopted, and that is based on our putting on the righteousness of Christ. And so that's what changes everything. And it, it, it's either all or nothing. You're either completely lost and without uh, salvation, without Christ, or you're saved and you've got it all. And what a thing for people to reject this wonderful offer of salvation. And so many Christians, because of their apathy and ignorance, don't understand how wonderful it is to be saved. Uh, Comparing Scripture with Scripture, we read this in Romans 3.22, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, 
of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there's no difference. So when you uh, become a Christian, you receive the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. We are clothed in His righteousness. Verse 9 continues then and says, And all the meat offering that is baking in the oven, and all that is dressed in the frying pan and in the pan, shall be the priests that offer it. Verse 10 says, And every meat offering mingled with oil and dry shall all the sons of Aaron have as one as much as another. So they would just uh, equally uh, uh, pass this around and uh, everybody would just have a, an amazing meal. <laughs> and not only did God provide meat for the Levites, all the males who were clean, and then uh, there were others we'll see that there was provision made for the families, obviously, um, uh, in this sacrificial system, as we call it. But uh, not only was there plenty of meat, but there was variety. Uh, there were goat and lamb and beef. Uh, it could be dry or it could be mingled with oil, sometimes with unleavened bread, um, and then other times with leavened, as we'll see in a minute. Isn't it something? I mean, you could think about uh, nearly every steakhouse we go to, uh, they offer delicious, fresh baked bread <laughs> with every meal. You have to practice self-control you'll fill up on the bread and uh, be stuffed before your steak arrives but it's a wonderful combination that fresh bread and meat steak and it goes back to at least to the time of the tabernacle under Moses that combination um, of course in the case of the tabernacle it had much deeper meaning and much more important meaning and our meat uh, probably uh, isn't anywhere near as uh, fresh. I mean, most of our meat's been killed and frozen and delivered and all that. Uh, it's it would be like going to a steakhouse where uh, the meat is being processed as you order in behind the restaurant. There's a slaughterhouse back there, and they uh, they dress it and get it ready as you're ordering, and then. Uh, they're baking the bread as you're ordering. You can smell all that. And then they bring it out fresh right out of the oven and right off the grill and everything. But the difference is that this is done with the idea of a picture of God's salvation for man. Whereas at the steakhouse, everybody just laughs and carries on and has a good time. So uh, that's the real difference. But uh, we really do, I think it's important that we grasp that this was uh, n this was no way wasteful. There was n all those who heap scorn on this barbaric system. They're just ridiculous. Um, this is a very unwasteful, respectful, and humane, by the way, the way the animals were treated. Now let's continue, beginning verse 11, with the peace offering. Uh, verse 11 says, And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. Uh, verse 12, if he offer it for thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. 
And then verse 13 says, Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. So uh, that would be more like what you get at the steakhouse or down at Texas Roadhouse or Longhorn Steakhouse. Uh, they, their bread is not uh, unleavened, it's leavened. It has the yeast and all that. Uh, we continue verses 14 and 15. It says, And of it he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for an heave offering unto the Lord, and it shall be the priests that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offerings. Verse 15, And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that is offered, um, that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. So it's to be eaten fresh that day. And that's certainly uh, amazing. Uh, even if, you know, you can, uh, unless you're the owner of the animal, the animal slaughtered, there's, it's rare that you get to eat the meat that day that it was uh, slaughtered and dressed. Uh, but let me tell you, if I had an opportunity, <laughs> and if I was one of these priests, you wouldn't have to tell me twice. You think about all of that low-carb, uh, grass-fed, kosher meat. Um, but there uh, were exceptions. Uh, we'll continue reading here. Verse uh, 16, 17 says, but, big words, but if, three and two-letter words, but uh, some of the biggest words in the Bible. But if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offereth his sacrifice, and on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten, but the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire. Um, since these sacrifices would add uh, to the normal amount of meat involved in the daily sacrifices and the daily meat that's uh, being consumed, it just seems that the Lord is being practical by allowing uh, this, the meat from this offering, these vows or voluntary offerings, uh, to be eaten the following day uh, in this instance. But the remainder, verse 17, of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire. Um, it goes on to say in verse 18, And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings be eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be imputed unto him that offereth. Uh, it shall be an abomination, and the soul that eateth of it shall bear his iniquity. Uh, God was adamant that these rules be followed, because eating of three-day-old meat... Um, would mean that it would have begun spoiling. Either it's just a fact of nature, uh, this fallen world. Uh, there's bacteria and uh, who knows what from the air gets into the meat, including uh, insect eggs and all that kind of thing. And that The whole process of decay, and it's an ugly thing we don't like to think about, but thank God for that process. <laughs> uh, we had a sad little thing happen in the back uh, building in our property. We had left the door open doing some work and didn't realize that a little bunny rabbit had gotten in there. Uh, we closed the door and we didn't go back for several days. And uh, uh, long story short, uh, I went in there one day and I smelled something. 
Uh, oh man, I looked around, I didn't find anything. But I just had a feeling there was something like a dead animal in there. Well, anyway, a few more days I went back and I happened to be moving things around looking for something and to look down and there was the nothing but fur left. Why? Because the, I know this sounds gross, but the, we're all grown-ups here. <laughs> the maggots had done their job and who, whatever else. And there was nothing left but fur. I mean, it devoured everything. I scooped that thing up, you know, and threw it away and I didn't even see bones. I don't know if, if uh, the rabbit bones are of the type that they get devoured but um, so that begins to happen very quickly after meat uh, is killed and in this case God puts a limit on it for that reason because these offerings picture Jesus Christ and he would not see decay uh, Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and later in Acts 13 the Apostle Paul both uh, quote Psalm 16:10 in reference to Jesus, which says, "For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell; uh, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption." Now uh, you can read Peter's quotation in Acts 2:27, and Paul quotes uh, Psalm 16:10 in his sermon in Acts 13:35, and so that explains why uh, God says you're not to eat meat after uh, on the third day. It's done. Why? Jesus rose after three days without seeing decay, and he didn't want that picture to be ruined. Um, so everything's got its purpose when it comes to these sacrifices. We pick up in verse 19. It says, In the flesh that toucheth any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burnt with fire. And as for the flesh, all that be clean shall um, eat thereof. Uh, there was to be no decay, as we mentioned. There was, there was to be no uncleanness. And that was all to protect the desired type, shadow, and picture of the offering of Jesus being without sin and the offerer being cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And apart from this sacrifice, there is death, which is why we then read in verses 20 and 21, but the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings that pertain unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, the soul that shall touch any unclean thing, as the uncleanness of man or any unclean beast or any abominable unclean thing, and eat of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which pertain unto the Lord, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. You say, death penalty for that? We, you, if, you, if you really wonder about that, you don't understand that this was a picture for the whole world, including the whole nation of Israel, of the coming sacrifice of Christ, which would be sinless and he would not see decay. And only those who receive Christ are clean. Therefore, any unclean partaking is a total abomination to God. And it was to picture that if you tried to approach God without being clean and made clean by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you would be destroyed in what's called a lake of fire. Now, you can choose not to believe that, but that's the message of God in these sacrifices. The unclean have no part in Christ. That's why we always say we don't hate anybody else, but we just know that 
Muhammad died. And he didn't die for sins. And there is no sacrifice for sins in Islam. There is no sacrifice or payment for sin in Hinduism and Buddhism. There is no payment for sin or sacrifice in any other religion provided by any other religious leader. Jesus is the only one who was God in flesh. Jesus is the only one, sinless, God in flesh, able to pay for sin when he died on the cross. That's why Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if you don't believe that, you're calling Jesus a liar. Uh, Peter said in Acts 4, 10-12, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. And then he says in verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you don't believe that, you're calling Peter a liar and you're calling God a liar. That's where we end it. Till next time. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 20, verse 21, King James Bible.